And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby, and in the studio with me, my co-host, Molly Mayo. Nice to have you, Molly. Hello, thank you. Okay, Molly, we're going to do something different today. And for those that are listening, if you hear anything in the background, they're rehearsing today <laughs> here at the Masters Guild, getting ready for our shake-up musical drama. A special play for the Masters Guild. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. I don't know if we have a title for it yet. I think they let go. In the works. Or holding on. Yeah. yeah. It's Wait, what was the one you had? Let uh, go. Renamed? Oh, renamed. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of interesting. Kind of cool. That's going to be a very powerful drama. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've not heard about it, it's um, we're going to be doing it probably for years to come mm-hmm. until the Lord returns. It's about the dysfunctional family of mm-hmm. Rebecca and Isaac and their two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob going off to uh, find a blessing mm-hmm. and finding favor, finding it in all the wrong places. Which this one's kind of unique anyways because it's kind of a hybrid of your notes that you usually do at conferences, right? Yeah, yeah, which came out of my dissertation when I was doing a THM and uh, studying the life of Jacob, not realizing Mm -hmm. I was studying my own life. (laughs) That was really something. I really came to that conclusion after 10 years of studying it. I realized that I was Jacob. Mm -hmm. I was the controlling one, the manipulator, the one that was holding on to all the things that would bring me fulfillment realizing that everything I held on to, I was losing my family, my marriage, everything. And then God kind of slapped me across the side of the head. Mm. And like he did with Jacob, you know, he had mm-hmm. that wrestling match with Jacob. Mm. Most and, intense uh, wrestling match ever. <laughs> yeah, where God cripples him, dislocates his hip. And God says to Jacob, let me go. In, in, in excruciating pain, Jacob recognizes that for the first time in his life, He's holding on to the only person that can really bless him. Mm. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Which, Beautiful. yeah, which uh, reminds us all that sometimes in the midst of our greatest pain, um, those are the times that God wants to bless us the most. And mm. that's unfortunately the times that people usually let go and mm. don't hold on. And that's that's a, a real lesson. Um, praise God. I've been married for 42 years. and. Mm. Um, it's it's a miracle that um, we held on, you mm-hmm. know, to God's promises and going through the rough times. And now I'm just hoping that uh, God will continue to save um, mm-hmm. um, one of my sons that doesn't know the Lord yet. But I'm that's um, I think that I'll play a huge role in that um, because I, I think He sees me as a Jacob through and through. Mm. And so um, and Jacob had a name change that God now straightens and God rules. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he'll see that in my life. Now, all of that theology is uh, in this Jacob play. Yep. So the students and actually Sarah, uh, my coworker Sarah, she is amazing at music. Unbelievable. She's written this She's whole written, thing. Yeah, a soundtrack. Yeah. Her and then one of our students, Caleb. So yeah. they actually, there are little skits throughout the whole thing with music. And so they're practicing for that right now. Yeah. So if you hear that in the background, that's what they're, <laughs> yeah. that's what they're that's doing. It. So today we're going to look at something I don't think I've ever shared before. We're going to look at Jesus's... Um, three times of going to temple. So it was once a year, three mm-hmm. is three-year ministry. And we're gonna start in the book of John. This is his first. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yeah, so, so John chapter two, uh, Jesus is gonna go to his father's house. And um, this is interesting. Now his parents had brought him there when he was, you know, when he was 12 years old. So this is, um, this is, this is the first time where he, he has 
does something that is extremely significant. The first time when he was there, they were asking him questions and they were like, wow, how does this kid know all these things? What is he, eight? I think he was 12. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was 12 years old. But now he's 30. And he comes after 18 years of uh, miss, being missing, um, which, by the way, we have a book written by <laughs> G. Campbell Morgan called The Hidden Years of Nazareth, which if you have teenagers, young adults, you have to read this book. It's a very short little book mm-hmm. by a theologian named G. Campbell Morgan, my favorite theologian of all the theologians. He's an amazing writer. Um, he wrote um, The Four Gospels, the commentary on The Four Gospels. <laughs> Matthew Mark. No. They're all, all, all <laughs> no. written by this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he wrote the commentary on it. And Molly, I use that commentary more mm-hmm. than any other commentaries that I have. Do you have it yet? The Hidden Years of Nazareth? No, The Four Gospels. No. But you got to get it. it. You could probably get it for like $30 on Amazon somewhere. Okay. Yeah, Making The Four Gospels by G. Campbell Morgan. But okay. then Lamplighter has this book called The Hidden Years of Nazareth. Mm. You must get it. So <laughs> I went to Israel in search of where Jesus spent his 18, missing 18 years. So this book is about the years that we don't have in the Bible? Right, 12 years old to eight, to 30 years old, okay. 18 missing years. Most theologians, most people think that he was living with the Essenes. Hmm. If you go there, there's even references on the on the wall, writing on the wall, right, references mm-hmm. in tablets that were found, references on uh, clay uh, clay pots and so forth, where um, oh, cool. they make reference to this this sage that mm-hmm. was with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really something, and so m- the majority of people in the world that st- have studied it, they just say, "Yep, Jesus was living there with the Essenes, this this cool. exclusive group." For 18 years where he was, you know, he was, you know, a nomad. He was out in the middle of um, um, out in the middle of nowhere mm. and living there to learn scripture, to go through all of the traditions and, you know, the Mishnah, Talmud, etc. And so, well, not the Talmud. <laughs> so, so, so when I get there, I'm like convinced, right? Mm-hmm. I get back home and someone sends me this book from the 19th century of G. Campbell Morgan on the hidden years of Nazareth. And I read it and I'm going like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) It's in the Bible. The Bible tells us where Jesus was. That's crazy. Yeah. And he kind of impacts that in the the story. Yeah. It's without question. It's just like, I can't believe it. It's so right in front of my eyes. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I didn't see this before. Oh, no. Yeah. And so those of you that um, want to see, and it focuses on two primary things, Um, Jesus's work and Jesus's worship. He had, um, there were people who knew he had a reputation of work mm-hmm. and worship. And you don't build a reputation mm-hmm. by starting at 30 years old. No. He had built that reputation over the years of his work and his worship. He was always in synagogue, always in mm-hmm. temple. He was always, had, he was a carpenter or a stone uh-huh. mason, um, worked mo- mostly with stone. And people, he had a reputation. Maybe he took over his, fa- his stepfather's mm-hmm. business. We don't know, but that's what he was doing and so it is crazy to think that we have all of those years of Jesus that's like we don't even know anything about that I know essentially yeah I think it was um, which when Michael Card was in the last podcast we had he was saying it was like 0.09% of all that we know about Jesus that's crazy (laughs) I know and and it says all the books of the world couldn't contain all the things that he did (laughs) okay so back to John chapter 2 Jesus comes to the temple first time in his public ministry at 30 years old and he is a little upset. It says there was Passover time, chapter 2, verse 13. Passover time of Jews was at hand. Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those that were selling oxen, sheep, and pigeons. Mm. Pigeons were for the poor people. And the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords, 
he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. <laughs> you picture the people getting driven out and the, yeah. there goes the animals be behind them. You know, like he wasn't, it was really something because I, I kind of get the picture where the people are like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to, oh, let's get out of here. They're coming after me. I saw a picture of this. The temple's huge. Like he yeah. must have been really upset for yeah. them to just kind of To get everybody. Leave. Yeah. I heard Hundreds it, of people. They were like, they knew what they were doing was wrong, kind of. And so there was a little bit of that. Yeah, we got to get out of here. Yeah. And but and then we also learned that Jesus was probably no more than five foot six. <laughs> yeah, that's and, just crazy to me. Yeah. Well, most people were short in those days. We have, you know, evidence of that, archaeological yeah. evidence of that. Um, we even have pictures of the paintings of what people look like in those time, that time mm -hmm, period. It's really mm -hmm. something. I never knew that we had that. And so, uh, so here Jesus is. He doesn't have any really sense of, you know, authority. He looks common. Yeah, commonly. Uh, and but his authority came from within. Mm. So something is happening, and he takes this cord, this whip of cords, drives them out, and then he says, "This, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise or a house of trade." And his disciples remembered. Um, that it was written, the zeal for your house has consumed me. And mm. they remember this, guess when? They remember this after he rises from the dead. Oh, crazy. Yeah, they don't remember it then. Verse 22 says, when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said mm. this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Whoa. I know, they, they, they just didn't get it. It, was, it wasn't revealed to them. Uh -huh. Okay, first time Jesus comes to the temple, catch this, my father's house, you've mm -hmm. made it, my father's house is a house of prayer. You have made it a den of thieves. Okay. Um, then um, bum, bum, in bum. chapter 21 of the book of Matthew, we have the second time that Jesus enters the temple that we know of. Okay. So this is a different account? This is a different account. So the first one gotcha. was three years earlier. Or uh, okay. Now, or two years earlier. And now Jesus is going to enter it again. And he says they're doing the same thing. Jesus enters the temple. This is just after his triumphal entry, by the way. And, um, you know, they're singing Hosanna to him in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So, um, and then when when he enters Jerusalem, the whole city is stirred up saying, who is this? Mm -hmm. You know, the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. You know, it's interesting, you know, from Nazareth of Galilee, they're pinpointing two places, mm -hmm. you know, and um, in verse 12, uh, which didn't make the scribes and Pharisees that um, excited about this. <laughs> Verse 12, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats and those who sold pigeons. Now, a lot of people think this is the same thing that happened in John chapter 2. It's not because mm -hmm. he says something entirely different. First, he says, my father's house. Mm -hmm. The second time he enters, he says, it is written, my house mm -hmm. shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of robbers or a den of thieves. Okay, right. so you've got these two um, entrances into the temple. One, my father's house. The second one, my house. And then if you look what happens next, this is kind of interesting. The next thing that takes place is he goes and a blind and all the blind and the lame come to him and he heals them all. And they're, they're all crying out. It says, and the children crying out of the temple. Mm. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. That's in verse uh, 15. And they're crying, Hosanna to the son of David. And, and But the 
the Pharisees and the leaders, they're indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these people are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you not read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, they have prepared, you have prepared praise. Mm. In leaving them, he goes out of the city to Bethany. Another passage, it says he went to Bethpage. The two different places that are quite interesting, Bethpage is the is the word for house of figs. Mm. Um, this time of year, it's interesting, this is the springtime, it's Passover time. And if you were to go to Israel today, you would find that the fig trees don't have leaves, not <laughs> usually, but they have these green figs and they're called, they're, they're, they're for the poor people. They're kind of mm. bitter. And the poor people, they would let them eat that. And then the second set of figs would come later on in midsummer. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus curses the fig tree, though, it's because it's full of leaves. The leaves were untimely. It's, the leaves shouldn't have been there. Premature? Yeah. No, not premature. Imposters. What? Yeah, Jesus curses the fig tree because it didn't have the kind of fruit he was looking for. Because if it had, it was full of leaves, mm-hmm. it should have had the sugary, ripe figs. Oh. And because it had leaves, it wasn't the right time of year for the leaves. And so because it didn't have the fruit on it, he curses it. Notice what, it do, what, notice what happens here. Verse, verse um, 18, in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it. Now, but only leaves. Okay. They're, they're not the, the, the green figs aren't there, mm-hmm. neither are the ripe figs there, but the leaves are there. The leaves shouldn't have been there. Hmm. This time of year, the leaves are not on the fig trees. If there are, they're very tiny, but the figs are full on these fig trees, mm-hmm. okay, these green figs. Because Jesus was hungry and he's going to go and eat the poor man's figs, um, and he doesn't see the figs and only leaves, he curses the fig tree because it's living in hypocrisy. Hmm. The, the barren fig tree without fruit, is I, he's, what he's doing, he's showing a parallel to what he just found in the temple. He found no fruitfulness in the temple. Oh, wow. And now he is giving this illustration to show what the temple was like. It was unfruitful. There was no praise from the fruit of their lips. They were selling, buying and selling in there. So, so Jesus comes along. The very first thing he does is gives this illustration, curses the fig tree. The fig tree dries up. And notice what he says, Molly. Mm-hmm. And he said to them, may no what? May no fruit ever come from you again. Mm. And so he's making this emphasis that this tree should have been bearing fruit, not leaves. Mm. It was living in hypocrisy, just like the people in the temple were. And that's why he drives them out. And then verse 20 says, when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, they, they have no clue as to what Jesus is trying to, trying to teach them. Okay, so so that's what we have there. So we got my father's house in uh, the very beginning of his ministry. Then a year later, he comes to it and he calls it my house. Mm-hmm. Shall be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. Curses the fig tree to give the illustration that there's no fruit in my house, which is really interesting because he goes to two towns. And both towns are called what? Beth Peji, house of what? Figs. House of figs. And then he goes to the other house, Bethany, house of dates. Mm-hmm. The two houses that are filled with sweet fruits. Oh, that is so ironic. Isn't that something? Yeah. 
two different places illustrating as he's walking through Bethpage, walking through Bethany, he's actually illustrating geographically <laughs> the theology of geography. I want fruit. Mm. I want a house of fruit. Wow. Beth house, Bethpage, house of figs, Bethany, house of dates. He's wanting a house full of fruit. Oh, just like the house, my father's house. Exactly. Whoa. Yeah. That's so obvious, but like I've never noticed that before. <laughs> it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. This is so beautiful. And then at the very end of his ministry, he's going to be crucified and he comes to the temple one last time. And that's in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, this is what it says here. Um, okay, let's see if we can find it, Molly. Um, down to verse 37. Now, Jesus is looking up at the temple, and uh, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. Oh, can you imagine that's the first thing? He's, he's looking at the temple. Yeah. His, I, I think he's crying. Mm-hmm. You know, he's... Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This this word, oh, there is the sense of intense emotional mm-hmm. um, anguish. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that, the city that received the word of God, the city that my father came down with his glory, mm-hmm. the city that we guarded with an angel with a sword, the city that, that David, you know, was king, the city, you know, all of these things, but he doesn't say any of those things. He says, the city that kills the prophets and stones those that are sent to it. I mean, how 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 tragic, how sad that mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's what he says about the city. Can you imagine? He's coming to each of our houses. Mm-hmm. What would Jesus say to you, mm-hmm. to me? I, I, I would hope he would say, you fought a good fight, you know? Yeah. That's what uh, that's what we're living for, right? Yeah. We're, we're fighting a battle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't want my life to be looked at like this. I don't want we're, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. he's going to come to us. That's a crazy thought. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This gets even better. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that killed the prophets, stoned those who that were sent to it. How often, I love this, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings Aww. and you would not. There was a story of a chicken coop that caught on fire and um, all the chickens were, um, were destroyed. And uh, the farmer went in there hmm. and uh, he kept hearing something. Kept being like, what's that? And he turned over this one dead chicken, and inside its wings were two baby Aww. chicks alive. The mother had protected them from the fire under her wings. That's so sweet. Yeah. And that's what. I didn't even know they did that. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. And that's what God wants to do with us. If we will honor his house, he will honor us and he will protect us. For I tell you, he says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, so 
Okay, so Molly, I can just see it on your face. <laughs> You're, you've been reading a book, and we did a drama on it. No, t- I think it's crazy that, like, you were talking about how, you know, we're each we've, we're each in charge of or responsible for a home. And that's, like, totally the crown of success that we did as the audio drama recently. Mm. And in that, the four kids, they have to furnish their home. And each one has different things that they struggle with that, like, prevents them from doing the job that their mom asked them to do. And she was saying, like, do it all heartily unto the Lord as unto him and not unto men. And so— Wait, wait, um, back, back up again. So this book is an allegory yeah. ab- about each child has been given this cottage, and they've got to <laughs> furnish the cottage. The cottage of head. <laughs> cottage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they've, they've got to educate their mind. Uh-huh. And, and they've got to add different things to their house. They've got to add—what are some of the things they got to add? Yeah, they ha- each have to have an arithmetic grate. So yeah. they're like For their fireplaces. The division grate, subtraction grate, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they also have to wallpaper their homes. They have to go to and, Mr. Reed. And, and the wallpaper— What's on the wallpaper? Different um, historical yes, events. Yes. Yep. Um, and they the, have to put it up with the paste of attention. And some of them use imitation paste. Oh, and, the, and then the, the water, the uh, moisture goes yeah. through it and uh-huh. they learn the lesson the hard way. Yep. And then there's... Um, the rug? Uh, yes. Carpet. The carpet. I think that one's from general knowledge and they have um, just a bunch of different da- hammers and nail, they got to nail, it nail down dates. With what? Yeah. Memory dates, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Mr. Learning comes and, and gives them different gifts to help them along their journey. And the mem- the memory dates, so these little nails, they got to tack their yeah. rug in, and they're learning all the dates of different historical mm-hmm. things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then when Mr. Learning comes in and, and, and Maddie doesn't have these, yeah. hers nailed down, he puts his foot through it and uh-huh. rips a hole in it. Yeah, and, she keeps slipping on her carpet because yeah. it's, it's not doing good. Yeah. And then you've got two, like— these nemesis yes. come on the scene. And who are they? You have Miss Folly and Pride. And there's also, you know, Procrastination. He's oh, a time thief. Yes. So there's a lot of different characters. Mr. Amusement. Yep, Mr. Amusement. And he's good, but, you know, everything within measure. You yep. can't spend all your time at Mr. Amusement's yep. bizarre. That little Lubin is uh, <laughs> yeah. taking too much of Mr. Amusement's. So while he's enjoying Mr. Amusement's uh, bizarre, the thief Procrastination picks his pockets. So. Yeah. And and you can, and he chases him around. And he can't yeah. catch him because yeah. you can never catch lost time. Uh-huh. It's really an amazing. Yeah. You know the the allegory may not have all of the you know Bible verses in it, mm-hmm. even though there's it's based on scripture. Yeah. But what it does for kids is it helps them to realize how they need to mm-hmm. furnish their own house. It's like a little bit like Sir Malcolm, like that, um, where Sir Malcolm and the Missing Prince, you've got the prince who has to learn all of these different lessons on how to be a king. And so they're all really solid principles that find their root in scripture mm-hmm. without saying like, um, you know, whatever you do, do unto the Lord, like, or whatever verse it is, like it is the verses lived out. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's not scriptural because all of the truths that it teaches are definitely very biblical. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. Yeah. Show me on diligent work. You'll stand before kings. Exactly. Proverbs 22, 29. Yeah. Okay. So as we're talking about what Jesus has been mm-hmm. doing here, he keeps going, checking on his house, Yeah. his father's house, mm-hmm. ch- checking on his house, okay, my mm-hmm. father's house, mm-hmm. my house. What's he looking for? Uh, fruit, right? Okay. Fruit. And what else? Um... People who are in love with him. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna give it to you either. No. Yeah. Okay. You're gonna get this. Um. So he's in the temple looking for. What's he looking for? And those of you that are listening to this, while well, Molly's Molly's trying to get this, uh-huh. she's. I could tell she's. She's on the spot. She's really thinking it through. Uh-huh. You're gonna get it. Okay. 
my father's house. My house is called a house of prayer. Yeah, that's what he's looking, looking for. For prayer. Yeah, because the prayer is the prerequisite of fruit. Oh wow! Because we can't do it on our own. Absolutely. Wow. And so, as we're furnishing our house, Mal, we need to be in tune with God and saying, "Lord, I, what what do I do next? Mm. How do I furnish my house?" Uh, every one of us. Okay, so when I learned this probably 30-plus years ago, I learned that God had given me a house. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is my body is a house. I need to furnish it. Mm. I, need to, I need to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to take care of my mind. I need to be transformed through the renewing of my mind. Mm. And that's done with Scripture. I need to um, take care of my body. I need to, it needs to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So those are important aspects of furnishing my house. I need to... I need to um, have self-discipline <laughs> in certain areas. Yeah, that's the hard. That's that one's hard for me. I, I need to fill my house with fruitfulness, mm. kindness, mercy, gentleness. Oh yeah, the grace. fruits of the spirit. Yeah, mm. and and I need to be talking with my father, like mm. Lord, um, you're abiding in me. You're at, are you at home in me right now, or do you feel like I like I've put you in a back room somewhere with a bunch of garbage? Mm-hmm. You know, so God's in us. Yeah. He lives in us. If you're a believer, he lives in us. I'm crucified with mm-hmm. Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Mm. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as we're, as we're furnishing our house, mm-hmm. and our house, need, our house, Molly, needs to be a house of prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, We need to be praying like, God, fill us, Lord. Yeah, con- the constant communion with the Lord is that... Yeah, and 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 constantly fighting the fight, Lord. I, I yeah. you know, I I want I want my house to be clean, Lord. You know, mm-hmm. whenever I have visitors mm-hmm. over, you should, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, Debbie likes she like mm-hmm. knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I'm I'm literally sometimes I go like kind of insane. I'm cleaning that house <laughs> top to bottom. I've done crazy things like urethane the steps that weren't done what? yet. Oh, yeah. I've done oh, crazy. no. That's I've, hilarious. Uh, one time I cleaned out the entire basement what? that no one was ever going to see. What? Yeah. We were in this this house where it had a dirt basement uh-huh. and it had these old furnaces. I cleaned the whole thing. I took the furnaces out, brought them to the metal lands- landfill. I, I, I was cleaning dirt out. And just crazy because I... I just had this sense of I want things to be clean. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little obsessive, compulsive, perfectionistic, but that's just <laughs> one of the few um, few of my uh, few of my weaknesses. But but when I look at it in spiritual terms, you know, I need to be just as you know mm. having this insatiable mm-hmm. appetite to make sure that my house is clean for my Lord. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think of um, my grandmother growing up. She always told us, because I lived with my grandmother for, for a while, and she always said, like, always dress like you have a visitor stopping by any time. Mm. And so, you know, we were homeschooled, but I didn't have, you know, I wasn't allowed to wake up and do my day in pajamas. <laughs> like, uh-huh. you had to be, you know, ready for the day, the whole the, the whole day, be ready to mm. have anybody stop by. And I think that was kind of the mindset that she grew up with. But then that idea of like, so when visitors do stop by, like it, you don't have to rush to get everything done. Because mm-hmm. I usually, uh, you know, throw things in drawers and stuff and people are coming mm-hmm. over. But that idea of like, if it's in the same way a relationship with Jesus, like cleaning up as you go and yeah. not not like getting all crazy before he comes. Yeah, if, you're, if, if um, those that are listening, Jesus, I stand at the door, knock. Mm-hmm. If anyone will open the door. Guess what? You may be completely filthy on the inside. Mm-hmm. 
You can't clean yourself up. Mm-hmm. This is where Jesus comes in and does it for you. And then after he cleans you up, now it's your responsibility to stay that way. And you do that through prayer and asking for forgiveness. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and mm-hmm. cleanse you from cleanse you mm-hmm. from all unrighteousness. That's where the cleaning comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus does it for us. All we got to do is, you know, humble ourselves and confess it, and he cleans us up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so these four kids are furnishing their house and um, folly and pride and procrastination all come in there, try to get them to, mm-hmm. you know, mess their houses up. Yeah. You know, so what um, what age is this for? That well, Can kids? Um, wow. Yeah, I feel like all ages definitely would enjoy it. It's got, it's so intricate that adults would listen to it and be like, whoa, that's amazing. But I think the targeted audience was more like kids ages 6 to 11 or so. Really? Um, well, because I read it and I, I thought it was for me. <laughs> well, no, I think that's the best thing about a good children's story is so great because mm. like Teddy's Button, I read that and I was like, whoa, it really made me think. Oh, interesting. And it's for, what, eight-year-olds? Yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, there was a great audio drama. Who's the author of uh, The Yearling? Um, oh, was that Tolkien? No. I think the author of The Yearling said that the greatest books of all are both juvenile and adult. Mm-hmm. You know, Okay, so that's uh, that's an amazing book. Okay, so those of you who are listening, get that book. Um, it's called uh, Crown, Crown of Success. Success. Coming soon as an audio drama. Yes, it should be done this uh, this summer. I can't wait and to so listen to Molly it. And so Molly is uh, is as we move now toward Jesus's final entry. So he's said, "My Father's house." Mm-hmm. He says, "My house," and then lastly, just before he's going to be crucified, he goes back to the temple. After leaving Bethpage, mm-hmm. after leaving Bethany, mm-hmm. house of figs, house of dates, wants fruitfulness, curses the fig tree. They get up in the morning. They see it cursed. They're like, whoa, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. Because he's given an illustration that the house of God was unfruitful. Mm. It was not prayerful and neither was it fruitful. And now he's coming to it one last time. And he says this. You ready? Yes. He said, how often would I have gathered together um, the chicks as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. And he says this, see. Do you see that, Mo? Mm-hmm. In 38. Yep. See, he says, or look, your house is left unto you desolate. And he turns around and he never comes back to the temple again. Oh. My father's house, chapter 2 of John. Mark, that's Matthew, Mar- or yeah, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Matthew chapter 21, my house. In Matthew 23, it's your house. Aww. And he says this, your house is left unto you desolate, meaning there's no fruit here. Empty. Yeah. And he goes back to Bethany, through Bethpage, house of figs, house of dates. Mm. And, uh, and this is what God wants from us. And it's really a beautiful picture, the theology of this, mm-hmm. how he says, my father's house, my house. No, it's your house. Just like God it's did in really the Old Testament. Scary. He left the, left the temple, the Shekinah glory, mm-hmm. left the temple. What they didn't realize, the Shekinah glory came back in Jesus. Oh. He came back. He was inside the temple again, and they didn't recognize him. The glory mm-hmm. of God was right there before their eyes. They didn't recognize it. And so he says, your house will be left unto you desolate. He goes and he dies on the cross for our sins, rises from the dead, and guess what he does? And now he says, and now I will place my spirit back in your house, and now we become all of the house of God. 
Mm. We became we become a living stone. Jacob rolls that stone out and doesn't roll it out. He lays on top of the stone, raises it up, pours oil on it, and what does he call the stone? The house of God, huh. Bethel. He raises it up so that it becomes a living stone. Oh, wow. Peter talks about you are living stones lifted up as a living sacrifice. We now are the living house of God where God lives in us. The glory of God resides in us. And now God has given us the privilege and responsibility of letting other people know who he is through us now being the house of God. And how do we reveal it? By being fruitful. Hmm. We become the house of figs, the house of dates, and the house of all of the fruits of righteousness. That's so beautiful. It really is. Yeah, it is, it is one of my favorite uh, studies of Scripture. So um, let's, bring this, let's bring this to a close. Um, a house. Um, each of us are um, setting up a house. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus uh, says to this, he says, I... In, in Revelation chapter 3, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Mm. And if anyone will open the door, I will come in and I will have supper with him. Mm. Jesus, Jesus wants to enjoy. He, he wants to abide with us. He wants to be mm. at home with us. And oh. so, what were you going to say? No, I was just thinking that's really beautiful. Like, he wants to abide with us. Yeah. He wants just, to be at home with it's us. It's a really pretty thought. It's beautiful. Yeah. If, if you're listening to this and... Jesus is not at home in you. Um, all it takes is to uh, call out in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, He said, "How often would I have, would I have taken you under my wings?" Mm-hmm. You know, He wants to do that. He wants to protect mm-hmm. us. He wants to be at home in us, mm-hmm. so that we can be a living, walking house of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Well, this has been a joy for me. I love sharing uh, Scripture, uh, Molly. We're going to do the next. The next uh, Fasten Like Nails, um, do you know where we're going to go? We talked no. about it earlier. Dun-dun. We're going to look at the crowded kingdom. Oh, yeah, the of, crowded kingdom. Of Luke chapter 16 and Super 17. confusing section. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I can't wait to. <laughs> Very strange. Let's do it like right away. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah, love it. God bless. Thank you for coming and listening to Fasten Like Nails. We'll do this again next time as we make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, Visit FastenedLikeNails.net and fill out the form. That's FastenedLikeNails.net. What if you could learn from the creative minds and talents behind Lamplighter Theater? I've never seen anything like it. This summer, Lamplighter presents The Lamplighter Guild. A week of mentoring and apprenticeship in the dramatic arts. Learn script writing, music composition, sound design, directing, and voice acting from world-class professionals. Registration for the Lamplighter Guild is limited, so sign up today at lamplighter.net. Lamplighter.net.